Okay, uh, well, uh, the sermon today is not actually focusing on one particular passage like we normally do, so it's a little bit unusual. Uh, we won't be working through a particular passage, but I'll be sort of referring to a number of different verses uh, across the Bible. It'll be in three small parts, and so we will start with sort of God's big picture and plan for the world, then we'll work our way down to some implications of that uh, for the way we meet. Big picture first, then details. You'll notice it's in three parts. Uh, part one and then we'll have a time of confession, part two and then we'll sing together and then part three and we'll have the creed together just to break it up and make it a little bit easier while the children are in here and they're also to help us focus as well. So during the school holidays you'll notice things are a little bit different to what they normally are. Uh, let me pray once again. Heavenly Father we thank you for making your plans and purposes known through history uh, in your word. As we reflect on what church is and why we gather together, help us to be open to understanding more fully the way you have called us to serve you as we gather together in your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, well, all over Sydney right now, uh, well, in fact, all over the Australia, all over the world, really, people are gathering together, friends catching up, family get-togethers, colleagues at work, students working on projects, people gathering for sport, or maybe not so much sport today with all the rain or anything, maybe indoor sports or a meeting for, uh, meetings about sport that they would normally have. Uh, special interest groups perhaps, people gathering to care for people in particular. Uh, and so gathering together is not actually unique for Christians at all. It's, it's something that's a part of who we are as people. And, but when Christians gather together, it's not just an ordinary gathering of people. You know, what is unique about Christians gathering together as a church? And what is church and why do we come to church here on a Sunday morning? Uh, how should we walk into church? Answering these questions is sort of related to, to what we understand of God's purpose for his creation. And uh, the first passage we look at is in Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. Now, the passages will come up on the screen there. And this is what it says. It reminds us that, that God created man in his image, in the image of God he created him. Male and female he created them. And one way that being made in the image of God uh, is reflected in us is in our capacity to relate to one another as people, our capacity to relate to others. It is not God's intention for us to be alone. We're designed as relational beings and gathering with others is a part of that. And one of the things that Jesus revealed about God was that we know that within God's own nature, he relates within himself, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. So the capacity to relate is part of our nature because it is a part of God's nature because we're made in the image of God. However, we also know that our capacity to relate harmoniously to one another uh, and to God has been corrupted. Certainly in Genesis chapter 3, humanity chose to exchange the truth of God for a lie, as we know, exchange God's wisdom for living uh, with lies. And our default setting is now to worship and serve created things rather than the creator God, as Paul reminds us in Romans. As a result, rather than harmony in relationships when we gather together, distrust, hostility, blame, separation, isolation, scattering, all of this occurs. But God, as we know, has bigger plans than leaving us to wallow in a world of disharmony. And he has plans to gather a scattered and hostile humanity to live in harmony with him and with each other are people who can glorify God as they enjoy him forever. 
Now, how this comes about is slowly revealed as the Bible unfolds from the Old Testament and, and into the New. And see if you can notice some of the key events as I mention them as we go through the, the Old Testament. Very, very briefly, very big picture. We see a glimpse of his, God's plans to gather his people together and the promises he made to Abraham in Genesis 12, promises to make Abraham into a great nation, blessed by God, secure in his presence, in his special place. And, and then in Exodus, the second book of the Bible, we see God's redeemed slaves. God redeemed slaves from Egypt and he gathered them together to hear his wisdom for living at Mount Sinai when the Ten Commandments were handed down. They were not just a collection of redeemed individuals, but an assembly of God's people together, a holy nation, as we had from the passage read for us earlier. They continued to gather at the temple when they lived in the promised land, but as their hearts grew hard and they rejected God and his wisdom for living, they suffered the consequences and they were scattered into exile away from the promised land and the scattering is the opposite to the gathering the scattering is a sign of judgment but the promise from the prophets as they were in the exile and leading up to the exile was that god had not forgotten his people and one day he would gather in his scattered people again and although they did return from exile and rebuild their temple they still struggled with the corrupted hostile relationships that they had among themselves by the time we get to the New Testament, we see that God the Son comes as Jesus Christ. And his mission as the good shepherd was to gather the scattered sheep from both the house of Israel and the nations, to gather in what was foreshadowed in God's work of redemption in the Old Testament was fulfilled by Jesus once for all. And Jesus came to redeem his people from the dominion of darkness and transform them, transfer them from into his perfect kingdom, as we know. Jesus secured the deliverance of his people through his death on the cross as a substitute. And rising to new life in his resurrection, Jesus sits at God's right hand as our mediator. And he gives those who trust in him citizenship in heaven as members of the heavenly assembly with the promise of an inheritance to come. That will be revealed, of course, when in the age to come when Jesus returns and God's great purpose to gather in his holy people to himself will finally be complete. The gathering will be complete and God will dwell with his people and there will be no more suffering or crying or pain. And this is summed up in the very last book of the Bible as we see in Revelation chapter 7, verse 9, that come up on the screen. After this I looked and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people and language standing before the throne. The, the early church in the New Testament showed that wherever the gospel of Christ went, regular gatherings of God's people were formed, meeting in households or in larger groups. And Jesus continues to gather his people today as the word of God is preached. People respond to the good news of Jesus in repentance and faith through the work of the Holy Spirit. And so when people in a particular geographical place respond in repentance and faith, they are drawn together to gather with each other, deeply bonded as members of the household of God. And us being here today is testimony of that. And the barriers that separated people from God are demolished in the cross 
And for Christians, the cultural and social and the personality barriers between people are also broken down as we come together, united. And you may have experienced that, sort of ex uh, that kind of unique bond when you travel to another country or a place, gathering with God's people at another church, that people that you've never met before, but you stand with and you sing songs about God, you say the creed or you pray together. It's a reminder that all those barriers are broken down and we have that one thing in common. We are gathering together as God's people. Certainly my experience working overseas was, was very rich uh, meeting with people from other cultures. Church gatherings are unique among all gatherings in the world and for a church gathering has both a vertical dimension that reminds us that we meet with God in the presence of one another but it also has a horizontal dimension that reminds us that we meet with one another in the presence of God. So these vertical and horizontal dimensions are both deeply interconnected. And I asked at the start, well, what is church? Well, church is the gathering of forgiven sinners who have responded to the good news of Jesus with repentance and faith. And so at this point, we're going to pause for a moment and share in an open and verbal acknowledgement of the truth about Jesus and ourselves through the words of the confession. So let's pause at the end of this first part of the sermon uh, and spend a few moments reflecting and then pray together. Uh, although we are the people of God, scripture reminds us that we still sin. We need to confess our failures knowing that the Lord Jesus died for us and intercedes for us with the Father. So let us draw near to God who freely forgives us through his in infinite goodness and mercy and pray to him with sincerity and confidence. So we'll pause for a moment of silence and then we'll pray together. So let's have a moment of silence first. We'll do the best we can with children here. Uh, but Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we praise you for adopting us as your children and making us heirs of eternal life. In your mercy, you have washed us from our sins and made us clean in your sight. Yet we still fail to love you and serve you as we should. Forgive us our sins and renew us by your grace that we may continue to grow as members of Christ in whom alone is our salvation. Amen. Well, brothers and sisters, God is slow to anger and full of compassion. He forgives all who humbly repent and turn to his son, Jesus Christ, in whom there is no condemnation. Amen. Well, part two, why do we, actually, why do we come to church? Like, we understand what, what church is, the gathering of God's people, but, which, but what is it? Why do we actually come here? Let me highlight three points here, and you'll see them on the outline there. Firstly, we gather, uh, when we gather, it is a testimony to the gracious purposes of God shown in Christ. And Paul speaks about this in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 10. Again, we'll come up on the screen when he said this. His intent, God's intent, was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose, which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. Paul says that, uh, this, uh, Paul says that this is to be accomplished through the church, 
the assembly of those who through faith in Jesus know they may approach God with freedom and confidence. God's wisdom has been made known through the church. This includes the assembly of Christians now with all our intergenerational mixture and multicultural mix. But notice that it says it's not some particular activity, but the sheer existence of the assembly. Now that's interesting, I had noticed that before, that God has acted by his spirit to create a new united humanity in the Lord Jesus and the fact that we're even meeting together is testimony to the wisdom of God and his purposes and plans. Now the church is not a human activity necessarily where God is like a passive observer looking from on high. God is present when two or three people are gathered in his name, present in a spiritual way. And his voice is heard as the words of scripture are read. And it's a miracle of God's wisdom and grace that we are even here together as God's people. It's the work of God. So the opportunity to come to church is no small thing. For some places in the world, gathering at church comes at great risk and personal cost. People living in constant fear and serving overseas, that was part of my experience as well. We, let's not take for granted the fact that we can meet with so much freedom here in this country. But the action of gathering together is a profound witness and testimony to our society that does not understand the things of God. For our gathering here today is a small picture of the ultimate gathering of all tribes, nations and tongues and peoples around the throne of God. So when we gather together, we are playing a part in something that is far bigger than ourselves. It's a testimony to God's purposes and plans coming to fruition. Secondly, we gather together in fellowship because we actually belong together. We actually belong together as fellow members of the heavenly assembly of Christ. We belong together. Uh, when uh, speaking of Jesus, Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 17 and 18, he says this, He came and preached peace to you who are far away and peace to those who were near. Talking about Jew and Gentile at that point. For though through him, uh, through him we both have access to the Father by the one Spirit. God has given us access to himself through the Holy Spirit in Christ. And so our connection here is more than just a friendship between two Christians. We're actually united by the Spirit of God in a very unique way. So gathering together is an opportunity to share in the fundamental Christian experience of responding to God together. Responding to God together. As we groan in a fallen and broken world, we listen to the word of God and together we respond in humble repentance and joyful faith. At home on our own, we can respond in humble repentance and joyful faith. But when we come to church, we actually do that together. And today, for example, at the start of the service, we sang a song of God's amazing grace. We prayed a prayer of thanksgiving together. Now, we could do all these things at home on our own, but we're doing them together. We prayed a prayer of confession together. And later on, we'll also openly acknowledge together what we believe in the words of the creed. 
praying together as a way, saying the creed together as a way of verbalising our faith together. But we also express our faith uh, in practical ways as we share news together, we support one another through words of encouragement, acts of service, we talk together. We're doing all these things together, responding to God. And this is sort of related to the third reason we go to church. Uh, thirdly, we gather to build up the body of Christ. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4, 15 and 16, Speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is, Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Now we know we're not in heaven yet. And as we wait, we also grow. This makes for a dynamically growing Christian gathering rather than a static one that stays the same. Now, we all struggle with change. Of course we do. But we should expect change in our gatherings because we are always growing. We're growing numerically, but we're also growing personally in maturity. Now, the message of the gospel doesn't change, but the dynamics within our gatherings are always changing because we are always growing. Now this is all done as we recognise that the same word that brought the church into being is the same word that is used to build the gathering up. That's why the hearing of the word of God from the front and from each other's lips in conversation is central to our gatherings. That makes it unique to the gathering of people meeting for sport right now or in people's homes for other reasons. Well, there we have it. What is church? The church is the gathering of God's people. Why do we go to church? We go as a testimony of who God is and his plans for the world that they're coming to fruition because we belong to God. Uh, we belong with God's people. We belong together. And we fellowship together. And we build one another up in maturity. Now, I'm sure there's other reasons for that, but there's just three things that I've put down there. So that is why we go to church. Now, in a few moments, I'm going to talk about the implications of that practically uh, for us. Um, but before we do that, uh, Brian and the music team are going to lead us in our second song, Grace Awaiting Me. Uh, so let's rejoice and sing together. Grace awaiting me. Well, if church is a gathering of God's people, and as we gather to, as a testimony, God's plans and purposes, and as we uh, gather because we belong together, and as we gather to build one another up, what are some of the practical implications for us as we walk into church? How do we walk into church? That was the title of the sermon. And uh, I want to unpack a few practical things, and it doesn't cover everything but a few tangible things for us to take away. I want to put it into two parts here. But one is before, before we even walk into church, and two, after we walk into church. Before and after. Before. What can I do before I walk, even walk into church uh, to, uh, to think about how I can build people up and remind myself that we belong together? Well, the first thing is, and it's a pretty straightforward thing, is, and that is come to church. It starts with a commitment to be at church every week. Barring holidays and sickness and all the other complications that might come in, 
get there when we can approach get there when we can approach is letting other people down let's avoid the mindset of saying i'll get there when i can but make a commitment to being there regularly every week there's probably about 70% of the people who are on the roll who are here and so it's a struggle for some now, you might say, well, that's easy for you to say, you're the minister, you get paid to be here. <laughs> uh, well, I'm the only one that gets paid to be here and look around the room and who's here? Everybody else is committed to coming as well. Now, I don't know what's going on in your life right now, but I want to say thank you. I want to say thank you for making the effort to come to church today. Your presence here today testifies that God's plans to gather his people are coming to fruition. Your presence here today reflects that this is where you belong when you had a myriad, myriad of other opportunities to do other things. Your decisions to walk in that, day, that door today creates opportunities for the body of Christ to be built up. Thank you for encouraging me in your presence here today. Your presence here today reflects that you want to be on your guard, that you want to stand firm in the faith, you want to be people of courage, that you want to be strong and you want to do everything in love. Let's continue to make a commitment to make church a priority on a Sunday. Secondly, come to church before church starts. Now the musicians are here, musicians are here practicing from nine onwards and even before that. So the door is always open quite early. So it's okay to come here early. Now planning to come here early also means that you are less likely to be late, of course. Now coming late means that others are distracted as you find a seat. Now I can understand there are different stages in life that makes it more difficult than others. And I don't want to be judgmental or critical about people who are coming in late. But we can reflect that if it's a pattern of behaviour, then maybe we can reflect on our, what we do on a Sunday morning so that we can be here uh, and not distract people uh, as we arrive after the service has come. Now, for some weeks, it'll be a bigger sacrifice than others to get here on time. But it's a sacrifice worth making. Your presence will always be a testimony to God's purposes that this is where you belong as you seek to build other people up. Thirdly, uh, come to church having prayed first. Come to church having prayed first. Now there are lots of ways to pray and lots of things we could pray for before we come. One thing we can pray for about where to sit. Now we all have our usual seats. We all know where they are. That we feel comfortable there, don't we? You know, that's, that's where I've started sitting. But sometimes you might need to sit somewhere else for the benefit of somebody else. You might meet a new person at the door and you want to uh, sit with them. Or there might be a conversation you want to have with somebody else and you choose to sit somewhere different. Pray that you'll take the opportunity to build someone up in a conversation at church or with somebody and that might mean sitting somewhere different. So pray about where to sit. And that includes not just during the service but where are you going to stand at morning tea? Where are you going to sit at morning tea? Let's be intentional about the conversations we're having. There's a, a friend of ours from a different church who really struggles with depression. 
real struggle. And uh, she says her goal in church every week is to have one good conversation where she can build someone up. And even that for her is a real struggle. But that's her intention and she prays that God will create an opportunity to that end. We can also pray that our own hearts won't be distracted and that we'll be able to focus. Now, of course, there's a lot of things going on in our lives. There's a million things going on and there's all these different thoughts and concerns that are going on before we even walk in that door. But let's try to pray that our hearts won't be distracted when we walk through that door and that we'll be able to focus on what God is teaching us that day. It's a good prayer to pray for ourselves and for others. You can also pray for the people involved with the service. The bulletin is sent to you the night before. Uh, So why don't you make it your habit to pray through the order of service on a Sunday morning? Praying for the people who are involved in different ways. It's another practical thing. What about using the congregational prayer list that I've printed for once a month? Every every day of the month there's a different person. Who knows who was on there this morning? Anyone? That's all right. Last time Malcolm said that, I I didn't know, so I felt a bit guilty. (laughs) No, but today it was Joshua, uh, Robert and Jane, Caitlin and Joshua, and Pam Isaacson. Uh, so, you know, it's amazing I find that when I've prayed through the list in different times, when I I'm not, I'm not, can't say that I do it every day, but it's amazing when, particularly on a Sunday, you pray for that person or those people and you just happen to have a conversation with them on the Sunday. It's just God's sort of way of encouraging you to say, keep praying, keep praying, uh, as he draws your attention to a particular person. So encourage Robert and Jane today and Caitlin if you see them around. Um, Pam's not here, of course, but hello, Pam, if you're on, on, online there. So let's be creative and intentional in our prayers before we come to church so that will be our, help us to be intentional about building people up. Okay, what about after? After we come to church? Well, we've talked about what we can do before we even walk in the door. What about after I walk in? Well, one thing about gathering together, it, is in, it involves group participation. Uh, we are not passive spectators in church. That's a bonus for all the tactile learners out there. Who's a tactile learner, anybody? You like to learn by doing? Well, church is a little bit like doing. Because let me highlight a couple of examples where we all get involved. We certainly use our ears, that's for sure. We, our, the art of active listening is highly underrated, both in what is said at the front as well as in conversations afterwards and in the middle of the service when you have an interaction question. Now, those of us who are regularly speaking here at the front often see four types of expressions on your faces when you're looking back, look out at the congregation, it can be a bit nerve-wracking. And all, all those expressions are related to your eyes. So your eyes reveal what your ears are thinking. Now, let me give you four, four examples. Now, what, there's what I call the buffalo eyes. The buffalo eyes. And that's a, that's a not-happy-jan kind of look on your face, an unhappy camper. Now, the permanent, grumpy, closed-off expression kind of thing. Uh, and so if, that's, if it's your struggle when you're coming in the door, your attitude is, of, of, is a negativity and, uh, you know, it's important that we pray that um, our heart is not hardened to the word of God uh, as we're listening to it. We can pray that our hearts are not hardened. The second kind of eyes are what I call the stunned mullet eyes. The stunned mullet. I think you all know that. You're, you're just not taking anything in at all. You're just sitting there and you just, you, you just can't take it in. It's going straight over your head. Maybe the speaker is not making any sense. 
Uh, and I need to work harder on, on my preparation, perhaps. And maybe that's the, the more I see a stunned mark, look, the maybe it's a challenge for me. But maybe it's also a reminder that we can come prepared to church as well by reading of passages in advance, by being involved in a growth group where we're looking at it together. And you'll notice on the bottom of the bulletin at the back, I always write down what's coming up, right down the very bottom, just above the option for financial giving that I drew your attention to last week, coming up. Uh, and so I've made a mistake there and I've put today's one in. Uh, but anyway, Judges 1 and 2 next week. We're starting on Judges. So have a look at Judges 1 and 2 and become prepared and it'll make it easier, a little bit easier for you so you can avoid the stunned mullet eyes look during the service. Then there's what I call the magpie eyes. Now magpie, what are magpie eyes? Now these are the eyes, people whose eyes are just wandering everywhere as if there's a magpie about to swoop down kind of thing. You know, they respond to the slightest noise from babies at the back or latecomers in or they're just distracted by looking at things that are all around. Now that's one advantage of meeting in the hall. There's not all these distracting and beautiful glass windows and things to look at, which are very easy to get distracted by. That's what I like about being here. But we have to be careful that we're not sort of just looking around and being distracted by things all the time. Now some people, of course, have a medical condition that means they can't sit still. But generally, most of us are in danger of having magpie eyes and we just can't focus. And so be careful of that. So decide in advance what are you going to do when you come to church. What are you going to focus on? Are you going to focus on everything that's over there or are you going to focus on what you're hearing from the word of God? And finally, now you probably all relate to this, is what I call the cockatoo eyes. Now, what are the cockatoo eyes, you're saying? Well, those, there are those among us who head, whose head goes up and down trying to stay awake. You know, that, you know, <laughs> you know that kind of thing. That's especially a problem at night time, I find. You know, if I've got a service at night, I know the feeling because when I'm feeling like I've got cockatoo eyes, I can't wait for the prayers. Can't wait for the prayers because I'm really shut my eyes in and nobody's going to notice. Nobody's going to notice. So if it's an issue, if it's an issue, try as best you can to come to church rested with a good night's sleep the night before. What are you doing on a Saturday night is going to affect what happens on a Sunday morning. So if you're somebody who finds that having a late night on a Saturday night is going to really affect you on a Sunday morning, try to avoid organising late night things on a Saturday. Or if there's a sport game on in another country and you're going to be up till 2 o'clock, Watch the replay of it in the afternoon. Don't stay up till 2 o'clock. Now, there's a, there's, a, there's a World Cup going on in the UK and I'm sure there'll be a few late-night games coming up and cricket and all sorts of things. So just be careful about what you do the night before so you don't struggle with your cockatoo eyes on a Sunday morning as you go through. Well, that's our ears and our eyes. And what about the way we use our voice? The way we use our voice. Now, we use our voices in lots of different ways. We greet people. Uh, we sing, we pray the confession, the Lord's Prayer, we recite the creed, we get involved with a kid song when we have one or, or what's going on. Now, we've probably all experienced the awkwardness when the only person singing in the, is the person up front uh, or just people just not getting involved. Now, I'm not very good at singing and I'm thankful that I'm not a part of a, a congregation uh, in which the minister is expected to lead the singing. 
And I'm sure you're very thankful for that as well, if you heard me sing. So I'm very thankful for Brian and Sam and the others who, who lead. But doesn't it sound great when everybody is singing together? Rather than just a, f- a few handful of people mumbling away. Now, the better singers, of course, can drown out the poor singers like me. Um, but if we, if we can all give it a go. We can all sing. Now, it might not be your favourite song. But it might be someone else's. And so we can sing loud to encourage other people. It's the same with the creed and the other parts we speak together. Let's not mumble our way through, but use our voices with conviction. So when we come to church, we testify to God's plans for the world, we share together in fellowship and we build one another up. And so we're going to uh, pause now and do just that, use our voices to declare uh, what it is that we believe. And so that's where we all get involved together. And so we'll practice that now. Uh, And so there's a few practical things to think through and over morning tea, maybe you could think of some other things and other suggestions of things that you do before you come to church and when you come to church uh, and things that you're mindful of. Now, this is a responsive form of the creed that will appear on the screen, so please join with me as we confirm what it is that we believe. Let's stand together with strong voices of conviction. Brothers and sisters, do you believe and trust in God the Father? Do you believe and trust in God the Son? We believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven, and he seated at the right hand of the Father. From there he will come again, regaining in the dead. Do you believe and trust in the Holy Spirit? We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Universal Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Uh, Please be seated, and Jenny's going to come now and lead us in a time of corporate prayer.